Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your weekend sports cars. We call this a Flappy Gums episode. Why? Not doing Q&A. Just got our guy Graham Goodwin back from gallivanting. That's right. I think that's the first use of gallivanting on the show, Graham. But we just got to mark that in the big black ledger we keep for words you've been all over the place apologies yes. to our dear listeners have been saying hey you dummies where's the show uh we're now Where back on a, a although we're eight hours apart we we're on a somewhat friendly time zone in a relation here so time to get a show going going to talk about a lot of what you've seen developments yep. here uh we have everything from lamborghini confirming additional uh hypercar slash lmdh drivers uh we have lexus here with the vassar sullivan team confirming more of their rolex 24 daytona drivers we have a very recent bop test at daytona done on the WeatherTech championship side you've been all over there's all kinds of stuff going on so let me say a quick thank you graham as always to our dear listeners to our partners in the show as well at cooper tires the Justice Brothers in TorontoMotorsports.com. And why don't you lead us off, my dear co pilot and editor of DailySportsCar.com, and tell me about where you've been, what you've seen, what you heard, what's happening. We are, it's all been a bit kind of TV tastic, to be honest with you. So, a couple of weekends ago uh, in Sepang in Malaysia, with the return of the Asia Le Mans series to uh, Southeast Asia for the first time since just before the pandemic in 2020. Uh, it was good to get back and see some good friends there. Uh, before that, Macau and the GT World Cup. Uh, and then straight after uh, Sepang uh, with Oli Gavin, um, over to Dubai with a couple of other good broadcasting buddies for the, let me get this right, the Gulf Historic Dubai GP Revival. Historic race meeting <laughs> at Dubai Autodrome. Uh, and some... Good fun and some fantastic cars and some lovely people and a couple of long, long days doing live uh, streaming and TV for that as well. So it has been a bit kind of long-haul-tastic, uh, but it's nice to be home, um, kind of settling in after tomorrow at least. I've got another overnight in uh, Germany for a gig with Audi. But after that, um, it'll be settling in for the Christmas break with the lovely Trudy and the the almost as lovely, slightly smellier but infinitely cuter Oscar. Um, then the the answer is we'll be sitting there and uh, waiting to see what Santa brings us down the chimney. Well, the answer, of course, being nothing. Huh. <laughs> More sandbags, uh, which you sell at a premium Ooh. to teams during BOP tests. Well. Was interested to see at Daytona. Of course, they did not publish any official times. Doesn't mean I didn't have friends on pit lane taking pictures of timing and scoring screens with their phones and sharing those. Did see with the GTP testing that took place, uh, the Lamborghini SC63 (laughs) twin-turbo V8 uh, powered machine. Quick quick right away um mm-hmm. so again not one of those foreboding things graham like oh my goodness this car is going to destroy all the others once it <laughs> goes into its first race but good to see happy oh, yeah. to see i would love to hear your thoughts on this 
we've had some cars roll out their first big test and they were slow and either to our surprise or the feeling of hmm are you playing games already didn't see either of those those things happen with the uh the good old green and white and black lambo tell me about that what comes to mind when you see a brand new model pop right to p1 on day one so tell you a BOP test like this is working the way it's supposed to. Um, well, well, first and foremost, it, from what I understand, it was pretty reliable, which is the key thing, and very much in the window. Uh, BOP tests always a terrible time to actually find out what people are doing in terms of pace for all sorts of obvious reasons. But it's number one, great to see that car out running in public. Number two, great to see that it is clearly around the performance window. Good-looking car. Um, and I think we all can't really wait to, to see that that car in competition. Will not be racing at the Rolex 24 Hours. Um, will debut at uh, WEC's opening race in Qatar. And we now know as well, MP, with announcements earlier today... Um, the final makeup of the cruise because there are two additional drivers now that have been named as part of the uh, Einlinks um, Lamborghini setup. And it's two names we know well Eduardo Mortara, who will be joining the WC lineup, and delighted to say that Matteo Caroli, um, we shouldn't have favourites as journalists, but we sort of do. And Matteo, super kid kid but he's 30s now uh, italian driver has been you know a massive fan of and employed and contracted by and to uh porsche um has been tempted away from his porsche roots by an imsa contract for uh, lamborghini and gtp and in addition to which pretty much now confirmed that lamborghini will be asking for entries for two sc63s for the 2024, 24 hours of Le Mans. So lots to look forward to with one of the new faces in both GTP and in the FI World Endurance Championships. So in fact, the only addition to both, uh, albeit with one car apiece, one full season car for the WC, one Michelin Endurance Cup, with the exception of... Um, uh, Daytona in IMSA. Good news all round that they seem to be getting that program rolling after a bit of a stutter with the first test car being written off and a testing crash um, at Paul Ricard, you know, uh, early on in its testing uh, program. So I think it all looks pretty darn good at the moment. Love the sound of that. The new Ford Mustang GT3 quick as well on the gt side of the testing loved imsa's approach to this and spoke with their uh the their effectively their technical director the head of the tech side there at imsa matt kurdock last week also spoke with imsa president john doonan talking about the new approach they're taking to bop struck me as interesting as well graham normally this is a total cat and mouse type deal of hey we want to go quickly during your bop test but not too quick evasion <laughs> is part of most 
intense, right? Hey, oh yeah, we're giving everything we got. You can look at our data, boy, you know, we're breaking late and on the throttle early and you bet, you know, to every manufacturer, I'm sorry, every sanctioning body, Graham, look into the real weeds on the data and look about, you know, hey, are we flooding the motor with fuel? Are we, what are we doing to timing to maybe, you know, slightly hinder engine performance again what do we you know are all the gear ratios in the car the ones that uh, deliver the optimal lap time there's a bunch of ways you can try and game the system during bop testing to give the impression that you're going 100 percent, but indeed you're truly manipulating the car to do 99.3 percent or again, whatever right so again all intense it looks like uh you're giving it the business but indeed you're saving just little tiny bits in that way uh you can hopefully uncork that in competition that's the normal thing imsa's approach having had that done to them just like every other sanctioning body that uses balancer performance said okay we're gonna stop relying on hope that you're going to give it everything you got. We were actually going to enter into a different approach to BOP. So that's what they did there last week in Daytona and said, okay, we're going to engage with each manufacturer, GTP, GTD, customized testing intended for each manufacturer. Since in every case, there's something different about these vehicles, right? Yeah. All the GTP cars might be rear engine, but the, the motors in each are completely different and et cetera, et cetera. GTD, obviously, those GT3 base cars, Graham, every single one is a, a different magical unicorn. And so instead, okay, we're going to go about this differently. We know what we want to get from you in testing. We know the data we want your cars to generate for us so we can then go toss them all into the magic BOP machine and come out with really strong level playing field for Rolex 24 Daytona, uh, and then we'll work on afterwards as well at the other races. And so they did just that. Said, okay, we've got test plans. We're going to Aston Martin, Acura, and BMW, and Corvette, again, run down the line. We're going to go directly with you in your pit box with this run plan. we asking for a pro driver, pro level, one of your top teams, right? Uh, talking to the manufacturers. And ran down the list to generate all the things they wanted. Okay, we're going to try running X amount of laps with 20 kilos of ballast. And then we're going to have you come in and we're going to adjust that or do something else. Or make these key changes run through big technical change sweeps with each model. This is the data we're looking for. We're going to be parsing through it to make sure that you're not, again, trying to game the system. And so we're not going to do the hope thing and the threat thing, which we've had to do before. You go out there and run super hard, and you better give us good data. And if not, we'll park you during the race. This time they said, we're just going to remove the hope and get centrally involved. The other thing they did, Graham, to close, they said, so we're going to do one more thing. We're going to make everybody's data available to everybody else, right? So... Well, if I'm talking about the most intimate parts of the data, because I'm sure manufacturers will probably protest at that a little bit, but yep. we want to make sure that there's some group oversight. So 
if something looks a little off again i'll just use breaking trace hey are you you know maybe you're not easily giving up in the breaking zone a hundred feet early 100 feet sooner than you should and that of course slows the car and affects lap time and performance but maybe instead of hammering the brakes with you know a hundred percent effort we see that you're doing it at 95 percent and so again you're not slowing the car as quickly and maybe you goof up just a little bit the uh, the apex because you overshot the corner just a fraction of but again these are the little things that can create important differentiators we're going to they didn't say what data but we're going to put this data in front of the entire group so any of you see something you think the other one's monkeying around with want you to raise your hand we're going to try and do this by having everyone keep each other honest tell me about this brother because it sounds brilliant you could poke some holes in it i'm sure where folks could still Mm -hmm. game things but i i like the spirit behind this and definitely hope it generates the super close racing across all the BOP classes that we have. How does this sound to you? I think the answer is that you've sort of got to break the cycle. And the cycle to this point has been contentious to do with balance of performance up until and into this new hypercar GTP era in the case of uh, IMSA, which is what we're talking about here, of course. We've... (laughs) LBM... Uh, and ACO have gone down the road of, by regulation, stopping people from talking about balance of performance because they're aware that there was a lot of politicking about it uh, in the paddock and beyond, using media in particular to make their political points for them, or their, in certain cases, they feel well established performance points for them. I think you've got to break that cycle. My view, everybody signed up for this. If it's a data-led process, there can be no complaints, okay? There can be no complaints. The complaints gain legitimacy if there is an element of, let's call it politics, with a small p, um, attached to it, that somebody is determining who should have the advantage through balanced performance, rather than this being truly balanced performance. BOP does not mean that every single car will be at the same speed, on the same track, at the same time. What BOP should be is a process where the potential performance of the cars is very close indeed, that it can be adjusted track by track. I think ultimately, MP, if hypercar and GTP is going to be the success that literally everybody wants it to be, I think we've just got to get to the stage where people understand that this is a bit of a different era. You've sort of got to stow your pure, uh, your, your kind of purism, if you like, about racing for a wee while and let this bed in except that there are going to be different ways in which this is going to be dealt with. But as far as the approach, I think the approach is a, is, is a good one. Take a little bit of control of the data you're actually getting and then ensure that there is trust across the paddock by being clear about the results of the testing you're putting in place. And I think those are pretty good building blocks for getting a higher quality of 
conversation and debate behind closed doors with the people that matter here, which are the teams and the manufacturers involved. That should play further down the line into a better quality of public debates between those parties and the media and the fan base. And hopefully that gets us to, to a better place when you take the kind of the data-led input out and just deal with the opinion. I'm with you. I truly cannot wait to see what we have at Daytona in terms of balance of performance and whether yeah. everyone's balanced because this was inspired heavily by, not solely by, but heavily by the rollout of Porsche's new 911 GT3R model last year around this time where yeah. at the early December 2022 Daytona BOP test, that car was exceptionally slow, mm -hmm. particularly in a straight line. Its top speed, the anticipated VMAX, was well below what it was expected to be, what it had done historically in previous iterations of the model. And it led to widespread disagreements between the manufacturer, between the team, between the series. Series saying, come mm -hmm. on, I'd like, look, we understand the whole trying to game the BOP system thing, but like, this is too much. Team yeah. manufacturer saying, hey, huh, we're, we're damn near burying our foot through the firewall. We're on the throttle so hard. This is it, right? We're, we'll make whatever adjustments needed. Ride height, wing angle, like you tell, like I'm telling you, yes, and we hate that this is the case, but we're giving you everything we got. And to everyone's surprise, we're wide of the mark. And it just, it was inconceivable, as I understand it, to those at the series. And I think to you and I and others as well going, okay, if this is a newer, smaller boutique Mark Graham where you go like, yeah. okay, all right, uh, we could see how you'd miss the mark. Porsche? Oh, not a chance. And yet, this rare instance where that is indeed what happened. And there were fixes and improvements needed to get it up to somewhat level speed to the other cars. But it was such a shocker that yeah. it, it took a while. And it certainly wasn't resolved uh, at the Rolex 24. But it took a well, while for everyone to recognize okay, this isn't really heavy manipulation of the BOP process. We have a new model that, even it's a, if it's a, quote, new version of a very f car, familiar car, that is just, it's out of spec, out of range of expectation, and we need to maybe think about how we introduce new models in the future. Obviously, that's a big deal this year, right, Graham? We've got the new oh, yeah. true GT3-based corvette we've got the ford mustang as well this is not something imsa or any sanctioning body would want to have to endure two seasons in a row with a rough uh, equalization of a new model so now this was inspired by this outlier that happened again uh, a year ago this time but i do think it's led to what should be a uh, a better more collaborative approach uh, the, the final note here to hand this off graham is Every manufacturer wants to beat every other manufacturer, but they're all also afraid 
of the ones being on the outside. You <laughs> never want to be the one, right? All you imagine for yourself is glory and spraying champagne, but every manufacturer also has in the back of their minds that, oh, what if we're the ones who are just out to lunch and trailing the pack in BOP? So to me, I, I think this has warmed that up a little bit. Like, okay, well, we're engaging directly with the series in this formulation. In theory, that should prevent any of us from being out to lunch. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to this. Any of these processes are built on the thing that's so difficult when you get to the level of competition we're dealing with in the Weather Tech Sports Car Championship, and that word is trust. And if you've lost that trust... That's a terrifically difficult thing to grab back. Uh, you know, anything that is designed to reintroduce that, to my mind, MP, has got to be a good thing. The teams, the manufacturers have now, after, let's face it, what was not the finest hour on that front uh, for the Rolex 24 last year, have now got to start with the bit of the brave new world. If you want this to be successful, and of course everybody does, it's sort of a cost to you. And the cost to you is let's have our conversations quietly. Let's not do the politicking in public. Let's, you know, go with the process in front here, which is designed to be fair to everybody and just put to one side that element that is always there, which is taking an unfair advantage. There are a million billion ways that would amaze most people listening to this uh, podcast that teams through the uh, through the ages of uh, Bellin's performance, it's only really a 21st century uh, concept in, in real terms, uh, that's different ways in which they can do that. And you're right, uh, that, that Porsche was the outlier. Still a problem. Still, I was uh, actually, oddly enough, on a call with somebody earlier today, we are talking about exactly that car and uh, issues that are remaining with uh, that car and some concerns about uh, how the development of that car is progressing. But, you know, balance of performance, you can make it quicker, you sort of can't make it a better race car. Fact is spoken by Graham Goodwin, <laughs> boys and girls. Where uh, where should we go to close the show? Again, shorter, we tend to do shorter shows for the Flappy Gums episode, but for sure next week we will be doing a true listener q and a i think a christmas listener q well true christmas hanukkah that's, that's uh, all a bit, kinds of good bit, stuff yeah a little bit left field uh which is i was an historic race meeting uh this this last week and it was actually quite a pleasure to do something with none of the real pressures of old on. reporters well, it's quite an interesting one. Um, there were all sorts of people there. Alan Prost was there and uh, driving a Ferrari 643. And uh, we had Terry Boots. And a lovely thing to see Terry Boots. I'm looking very chilled and relaxed. Saw him not so long ago in Monterey driving. There you go. Le Mans winning Dower 962 from 1994. What a lovely, lovely man he is. Last time I Truly. saw him. Truly. He was managing the champion Audi R8 at uh, Le Mans 24 hours. We had a long chat about that. Wow. Uh, Pierre Fion, of all people, driving a Formula One car. Heat. 1990. Yes. What, what um, was he driving? He was driving an Arrows uh, Footwork SA14. Is what he was driving. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, but, but all sorts of wild and woolly machinery. 
The one that took my mind, though, was a name that uh, we've not heard much of in contemporary racing for a little wee while. Now, I think this is a man that, that deserves another shot. Jan Mardenborough. So oh. Jan Mardenborough. Yeah. So Jan, uh, in a pair, one of a pair of um, invitational Ligier JSP2s, 2014 LMP2 car, up against, albeit up against gentleman drivers, but pretty capable gentleman drivers, in some very capable machinery, two or three pretty good LMP1 cars in his race, took the lead in the first race, but uh, had to give best to the 200 horsepower more powerful Peugeot Nano X uh, that took that race win, but won the second race and won it well. The reason um, that came to mind is it was on the flight back and stood up to go and grab a cup of coffee, I think, on the way uh, back from Dubai. And as you're walking down the plane, because I was back in, I believe what you call coach, um, we call economy, uh, noticed, of course, what movies people are watching. There were a stunning number of people watching the Gran Turismo movie, which is, of course, a dramatization of the journey that Jan made through, um, you know, from gamer to racer. And did see that the ladies and gentlemen sitting in front of me were both watching the movie. And as we were getting off the plane, asked them what they thought. Both thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, did tell them that uh, Jan was actually on the flight. And, you know, and uh, didn't see him at baggage reclaim. My guess is he probably had just uh, took a carry-on. Quick driver, engaging story, movie that got absolutely flayed by the motorsport purists but the public clearly really like the movie and the story there's a lesson in there somewhere for us maybe driven to well um this is my farewell to uh the weekend sports cars podcast after that <laughs> recommendation because clearly my co-host has lost uh, his ever-loving mind but i haven't watched it um it's very gamer oriented, and the the graphics, etc. And the look, if you're a purist, you'll see all the all the holes in it. But as a tale telling thing, um, it, it just occurred to me. It, it's presented me with something I wasn't expecting, in terms of the way that a wide variety. I mean, the, the couple in front of me were probably in their fifties. These were not kind of nineteen, twenty, twenty-one year olds, um, and they thoroughly enjoyed the movie. So you, can you hear the police? coming here they're coming to arrest yeah. you for the driven to but, mention but maybe maybe here's the thing maybe we just need to get over ourselves a little bit i'm not saying we should stoop to the depths of driven that would be just a step too far my, the, but, the reason i haven't watched it and i think it's free on one of the streaming services mm -hmm. we have so it's you know it's it would be at no cost except for what we pay per month so indeed it's not free mm -hmm. but um from the trailer that i saw yes and this is me doing the thing you shouldn't which is the judging <laughs> books by covers and whatnot but based on the trailer for it it appeared to have the same guy in every modern racing movie and uh, david harbour is the actor um Hellboy, <laughs> among other roles that he's played, Santa Claus, uh, recently in whatever that super bloody murder uh, Santa Claus movie was. Um, 
I don't know if he's meant to be Darren Cox. No, no, okay. Orlando Bloom is meant to be a Darren Cox. Okay, well, <laughs> wow, that's that, obviously that, they look that's identical. A, that's awesome. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if you want someone to play in a movie, that that's Bob Neville, pretty good. It, um, it has the same guy in every racing movie, yeah. which makes me want to stop watching that racing movie, which is the loud, shouty boss guy, who, to the uninitiated think or believe because they've seen this in every racing movie is the equivalent of a nfl head coach uh i don't know if i maybe there's lots of screaming and shouting in your football that being the footy soccer type but the super in control of every single thing no one makes a move the steering wheel is not turned the brake or throttle are never touched without the super shouty manager in charge of everything guy who knows everything over the radio. (laughs) And at least in the trailer, it was that like that person doesn't exist. Like AJ Floyd would fit that, but that it's been decades and AJ was an outlier, but the flame and fire and fury and venom guy who just, that's how racing works because you have the darn you better and i tell you and pass him and go and you go that person doesn't exist and yet (laughs) someone said hey we're making a movie and we're gonna put it out in like i don't know 2023 and but we gotta keep perpetuating this not because we've ever seen it in real life but because we're making a racing movie and so we did research and how do we do that research man see we watched other racing movies and that guy's in every racing movie see so even though it's 2023 and not 2019 or uh uh 1820 yeah see that guy must be a thing because he's in every movie so you know what we're gonna do we're gonna put him in the movie see exactly and I'm sure it's the same guy, just not going, see, turn the wheel, see, and you're going to pass him and you're going to win, and we're going to make a lot of money, and we're going to be fantastic. I mean, but it's just like, come on, man, that guy, we got to come up with a name for him, like the, the not an actual Fred, whatever, but just the name of that character, because it's the, it is, it's like, it is the, the, the foundational aspect of seeming every racing movie that you build around the shouty knows everything can't do anything ah i told you to shift see okay no you can't shift i realize you just blew the motor but no you can't sh- like oh my god so here's the here's the challenge to weekend sports cars listeners if you know a man like that or woman like that in motorsport please uh, put your answers to it's this person in every racing movie it's based on this person. And if you put that onto hashtag twist and tag in at Marshall Pruitt and that DSC editor, um, we'll make sure that that appears in every other race movie uh, tagged with insert name of real person. Is that fair enough? I bear, I lost you at about 12 words in your <laughs> instructions. But yeah, I'm sure. Uh, luckily, if this, there's a replay option here. But yeah, anyways, I saw that. And I'm like, come on, man. And I look, I wouldn't pretend to know Jan Mardenborough particularly super well when he was in our orbit, right? Yeah. Sweetheart of a kid, stupendous amounts of talent. Uh, I felt bad that the great kernels of skill, natural talent that he's able to demonstrate that a proper next level 
development for him was not really up in his possibilities, right? Like mm-hmm. if he could have been thrown into a, you know, powerhouse, uh, junior open wheel team and i know that he did some yeah. junior open wheel as well but just it's one of those things where yeah, you know, you mean, it's you mean. like he went to uh state uh university but now we're going to like you know ivy league upper like the you did well at kansas state university now we're sending you to harvard that kind of thing if he'd had the harvard level because that's the differentiator so often, right? You have great, immense, natural talent. You're mm-hmm. displaying that through your driving, but there's so many additional layers to develop to make you, to give you a chance to be a future McNish, uh, so on and so forth. I just, I don't know if that ever truly happened for him in the way that I'd hoped. So, um, it wasn't well, so I'll, long I'll, ago, brother, when folks were asking me, like, hey, IndyCars always starve for young, really amazing mm-hmm. talent. Could Martinborough be that? I, I might have even done a story with him five, eight years ago where I think he mm-hmm. probably said, yeah, hey, shoot, you bet. So, you know, he was thought of, at least, as someone who demonstrated enough skill to where, like, hey, I don't know if F1, F1 might be a bit too far. It's too far for just about everybody. But he had something a hell of a lot more than what we were able to see him demonstrate. I agree. A big thanks to, to uh, Nismo and Darren Cox and everybody there who put together the, you know the, those programs it did generate some real talent. It, it did, and you know I hope someone gives him a chance in either a GT or preferably an LMP2 car. Uh, at some point, there might well be opportunities moving forward. It's been pretty barren. Uh, place for him since he lost his Super GT drive. That was the the final thought. Uh, I know we've got to wrap up for this this point, but uh, we will be putting out over the weekend probably a final 2023 call for questions for the weekend sports cars, and we'd love to see your questions either on uh, happenings at the moment in the world of endurance racing uh, on both sides of the Atlantic and across the globe, or because it will be the end of year show. Uh, just some fun questions to complete the year that uh, MP and I can get our teeth into, and uh, I'll, you know, get uh, maybe put it put it on a Twitter version of one of those slips in a Christmas cracker, uh, like the joke that's always there, uh, and we'll see what we can do to increase your listening pleasure over the Christmas period. For now, though, because uh, I know you've got to get on your way, so do I. We will say thank you. Uh, for tuning in to this week's Week in Sports Cars. We'll try to do better. Our New Year's resolution will be, let's make it a weekly thing. Uh, but uh, for now, with thanks to Cooper Tires, with thanks to the Justice Brothers, and with thanks as always to TorontoMotorsports.com. I've been that there Graham Goodwin. He's been that there Marshall Pruitt. This has been the Week in Sports Cars, part of the Marshall Pruitt podcast collection. And we will speak to you, we promise, next week.